0: A Dash of Gingers presents Taskmaster Australia coverage for silent podcasts. According to science, redheads are better in bed. Better than what the study did not say. Hello, everyone. I'm more efficient at synthesizing vitamin D. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And I'm with my co host, a man who is less at risk of endometriosis than the general population, Sean Bryan. Yes. I've been reading redhead facts on Google.
1: Hello, hello. My name's Sean Ryan, and if I had to bring in the most pretentious thing, I'd bring in myself. I'm in my walk-in robe right now, surrounded by craft beer made in boutique breweries.
0: And she was with us in our rousing preseason episode. Returning to evaluate the season is a woman whose name means straight and beautiful in Japanese, and Nina Ayama would know that. It's Naomi Calhoun. Hi, Naomi.
2: Hello, straight and beautiful. I think both are debatable. What? <laughs> uh, just... <One. laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. I can't tell you how much I am both enjoying Taskmaster Australia and how desperate I am to talk about it with people. So I'm glad to be back today.
0: Well, let's get straight into it. What have your thoughts on the season been so far?
2: I think it's uh, a really stellar first season, I think that sometimes new taskmasters struggle with the format. They struggle with uh, getting the casting quite right. But I actually find myself really, this feels like an extension of a a current taskmaster in a lot of ways. It does not feel like a brand new entity. It feels so lived in. Maybe that's because they're using the New Zealand house. Who knows? But I love the cast. I think they're all really wonderful. And I always like, I think it's good when you look forward to what a Taskmaster contestant has to say about tasks. And I'm always looking forward to what, what Danielle does and what Luke does in a task. So I think that that's like a really good sign of
1: how good it is. So what have been your fa- some of your favorite and least favorite things about it so far then?
2: Oh my god, I had to rave immediately to my boyfriend after the un- unspecified uh yeast spread task i was just like you wouldn't believe it they stuck their hand right in the jar i couldn't stop talking about it and i also the cat out of the bag made me laugh a lot i you know julia just being like oh look there's a drone okay move on like i just love how many moments we're finding nina oyama last week is it last week the sink the sink the bowling ball i watched two episodes in yes. a row now they're the sink the bowling ball or Nino Yama's just like, and I'm done. Bye. And then takes off. I, oh, it's such be- it's a work of beauty. And I I think that Tom as the Taskmaster is a way better taskmaster than Jeremy Wells. And I think that Tom as the Taskmaster assistant is really on par. I think he does a great job. And we'll talk about it a little more this episode, but I think he's a great little smarmy MF, you know, like you do want to punch him a little bit, but he's really funny.
1: I think that's really been improving as we go through, that we're starting to understand Tom Cashman's character a lot more. And it's so different to any of the other assistants, but it's so specific and it's kind of adorable at the same time. It's like he's (laughs) an annoying little brother.
0: He's very eager. He has an eagerness, which uh, Paul doesn't have. Paul, who we also love, the New Zealand Taskmaster's assistant, but there's a kind of it's like puppyishness. And it's the it's the Tom Cashman that we wanted from the start. And perhaps it was that we hadn't keyed into him, or perhaps that he kind of stepped into the role a little more as the episodes went on.
1: So I think you're totally right too, in the way you've talked about wanting to hear what the contestants have to say back in the studio. Because so far, even in some of the tasks that have been less interesting, when they get back to the studio, the banter with Tom is so funny as they try and justify the thing that they did or why they took the easy way out and him just being relentless in his attack of what they did.
0: And Naomi, did you choose a did you have a winner pick in our preseason coverage? I suppose I should have done my research and listened to to hear I think if I... you did. Nina which
2: uh I don't know how I feel about that now but (laughs) you
0: get another pick unlike uh Sean and myself who have to stick with our winner picks of Nina and Luke you get a you get another pick at the end of the episode
2: (laughs) here's the thing and I I think I haven't looked at their overall standings in a while I feel like I want to switch but then you're like who am I gonna switch to Luke Danielle julia like you you know you can't be like no julia jimmy like you just can't there but but this is what's great about this series right is that everybody feels so equally good at tasks and terrible at tasks Mm. that you never know what the result is going to be based on the task based on the person and everybody is producing these moments of like pure like absolute failing that i love that that this is what taskmaster is so we'll we'll talk about a little bit more maybe i'll i'll change my winner pick but i kind of feel okay with nina i don't feel great but you know
0: <laughs> i you gotta, gotta commit come to something you know we update the season standings every episode and they have fluctuated pretty wildly certainly the top three have uh, switched and changed multiple times and uh, they can zing right up and zing back down i think there's a there's a couple that are being left behind but hey as we know with taskmaster points don't matter Sean, what were your overall thoughts on episode five, which we're going to head into with full spoilers? The episode is called Are You Okay? Give us your overall thoughts and then take us into the prize task, please.
1: Yeah, so I really enjoyed episode five. I think it was kind of firing on all cylinders where there was no really overwhelmingly weak task. Everything kind of had something where some of the contestants were shining And it led to one of the funniest tasks we've had in the show so far where I don't even think the task itself was that creative. But the results of what the contestants brought in the password for the roses task was incredible and led to the funniest kind of outcomes that we've had so far.
2: The roses and the popcorn. The popcorn to me is like such a perfect task where not only do people do insane things where you're like who is that for who is gonna you know but people do insane mess ups but also people do choices that i would have never thought about and then i watch it and i go that's the most effed up mm. thing i can think of and it works perfectly like i cannot believe that this is you you always assume that you would be good at Taskmaster, but i i like we as we talked about in our preview pod i i had done a task master And one of the challenges was um, peel this orange without using your hands. And so what did I do? I just grabbed two knives and then like stuck the knife in and peeled it with the other knife. And then I got into, like, a very heated debate about whether or not I was using my hands. Mm -hmm. But, like, in my brain, it never occurred to me that, like, holding a knife (laughs) was using Mm -hmm. my hands. Mm -hmm. And this is all to say that I I just love – I always think – you think maybe I'd be good at this. And then you see somebody do something, like, in that popcorn task, and you're like,
0: I cannot believe that this is what (sighs) people did. I am not worthy. (laughs) And it wasn't, and it was what two people did. <laughs> two people. Oh my God. Uh, yes. Uh, for me, the, the task quality in this episode was so, was so high uh, overall, including the prize task, uh, which, you know, it had its faults, but the prize task and the final task. Uh, you wanted chaos with those Navy boiler mm. suits, Sean, and I think you got it. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, take us to the, take us to the prize task.
1: Yeah, let's dive right in. So task one, which is always the prize task in studio, was to bring in the most pretentious thing. And I love this as a prompt. And we got such a variety of examples of things that the cast brought in that just led to great laughs straight away. So Nina brought in a gay toilet door, which was part of an art installation. And the main thing here was Tom found that the explanation itself was so pretentious in how she spoke about this door and what it meant and where it came from. And so that was a really strong start. Luke spent $4,000 to get someone in England to build a replica proton pack from the first Ghostbusters movie. And Tom really correctly pointed out that being sensible with your finances is meat and two veg, not buying a proton pack for a TV show (laughs) to then claim on tax later on. And Uh. even then, the spending of $4,000, he didn't bring in the one that he had built. He brought in a cheaper alternative that he found. Julia brought in her HSC results, which was 198 out of 500.
0: For our non-Australian viewers, that's high school certificate. And these marks, when you're at school, feel like they are going to... Set you on the path for the rest of your life. They're the most important thing in the world. Entire families go mad when one member of the family is doing their HSC. Certainly now the pressure's on. I mean, sean you can give us a bit of insight into this. When Julia and I were doing our HSC, it it was important, but it was didn't have the import uh, that it certainly has now.
1: Well, even now the students obsess over it. Um, I know where I am in Victoria. Students are trying to get what they call an ATAR score, and the obsession to get above 90 is such a big deal. The students always ask you as a teacher, like, what did you get? What did you get? And honestly, it doesn't matter these days because there are so many pathways into any course that no matter what score you get, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra time, you can get into the things that you want to do to be successful. But it is a big talking point for the what first- What
0: did you get, Sean? Don't, don't, don't shy away. What yeah, did you get? Yeah, don't beat around the bush.
1: I'm in my mid thirties now. Like I think it was somewhere in the eighties. Like It did not really matter- um to the career that i end up choosing which is being a teacher but um,
0: <laughs>
1: because at the time mm-hmm. when i studied teaching i think you needed like a 60 to be a teacher
0: right what is the what is the math
2: oh you need to say so what is the math here because she got a 198 out of 500 so that's it also differs in each, in each
1: yeah in each it differs state. in each state as well oh so, so this, is this is a very
0: this is a very very poor poor mark. mark what was the range the ATAR so out of 100. If
1: yeah, if it's out something like Victoria, you study five subjects and get a score for each of those subjects and they combine into being an overall score, they can get you into universities or into other educational institutions. Okay. And so in this case, the equivalent of that in Victoria would be about a 40, which is not very high at all. No, no. So she was yeah, referred to as an inverted snob for bragging about her low score and the success that it then brought her. And... Tom then brought up that knowing the meanings of words isn't her specialty and that's just bragging.
0: (laughs) Yes. I literally cannot remember what I got. That's the only reason I'm not telling you my results. It was a very long time ago and it didn't make any difference to me because I went to art school.
1: I remember I got uni offers and I just chose the one that was easier to get to because I could go to (laughs) Geelong, which had a nice beach. Or I could go to Burwood, which was like two hours by public transport. And I was like, hmm, beach sounds great. I'm going to go <laughs> to the uni with a beach.
0: That's strange because redheads and beaches are not uh, often a good combination.
1: Look, like you were mentioning earlier that redheads may feel more pain. It's usually because we're sunburned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
2: Um, I this reminds me of like an SAT equivalent in the U.S. or maybe like an ACT, but also at the same time, like what year are you taking these in school? Are you taking them in your senior year, your last year, or in your junior year, your le- next to last
1: year? So it'd be senior year.
2: So in 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 American, and listen. Uh, I didn't remember any of this because I also kind of went to, like, you know, liberal arts school. So I was just like, I'm just going to be myself on this test and see how well I do. I didn't really prefer it. Um, you would take it in your junior year and you would be applying to colleges essentially in, like, your late junior year, early senior year. So, but, you know you were really focusing on like what you were accomplishing in your junior year of high school. And then you would take that into colleges. I don't remember what I got on my SAT. And I, at this point I've decided that it's um, pretentious to remember what you got in your SAT that just knowing the number is pretentious.
0: So you might have awarded Julia something higher because she remembered she had it in a frame, which I thought she had a certificate.
2: I just got it as like a, 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 it was a website that i logged into
0: and mm. then it told mm-hmm. me and then i was it like it would have okay, been the 70s it. yeah she would have yeah, got exactly. her hsc done her hsc in the 70s so having it framed yeah. though is pretentious i will say that i thought it was a
2: little um undervalued in that regard
1: yeah it yes. is a real flex to have a framed version of it for people to see to be like look what score i got and look at all the things i have now like that really ups the pretension of it
0: Yes, she sort of mentioned it, but but uh, glancingly, I think she should have leaned much more heavily into this is my score and look at my life now. That's hmm. the pretension.
1: I think, yeah, because we had a little bit of that with Ursula in season two of New Zealand Taskmaster, where Ursula would occasionally just um, reference the fact that she was getting paid more than a lot of the rest of the cast because of who she was. And, like, it was a little bit of that that could have really upped Julia's pretension on that.
2: Um, I don't know if you both listened, but uh, Ursula was on the the Taskmasters podcast talking about um series eight and yes. she was so funny. she was she's just like she kills me. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love I love when people bring sort of like their outside fame into Taskmaster to say like, well, I'm here because I'm the famous one and that that kills me because you never really hear that on a regular panel show. I feel like nobody's bragging about their status in the comedy scene typically. Uh, except for maybe a joke about who are you. Nobody cares. I, I love it. I, I Okay, so when I came into Taskmaster, uh, I read some Reddit comments. And people were, like, really not excited for Julia. They were talking kind mm-hmm. of negatively about her. And I was like, oh, is she going to be kind of um, a character I don't like? I can't even think of, like, a, an equivalent. But I was worried that she was going to be a character I didn't like. And, in fact, I find her very, very funny and her persona is, I think, pitch perfect for Taskmaster. And I was like, oh, maybe it's misogyny. <laughs> like, I just I don't well, know why
1: people hate her so much. I think it's the thing, because she has a very specific stick that she puts on, but she commits to it every time. And I think it works so well for Taskmaster because either she puts in low effort and nails it, or will just completely go off the rails. And so, like with the genetic meat spread just her she goes with the first idea and fully commits to it is then suddenly in a towel covering herself in Vegemite
0: which I thought was brilliant
1: it's unhinged in the most hilarious way because she clearly seems to have a bit of an improv background too where she will just go with an idea say yes and go with it and it's so funny and I don't know like yeah it's probably a little bit of that misogyny but
0: yeah, um, and also she. there's the idea of, oh, she's everywhere. You can't turn on television mm. without seeing Julia. Uh, excuse me, Danielle, with a fabulous ad campaign. I mean, I, I love her and more power to her and I'm glad she's she's got it. But Danielle is also everywhere, but nobody says that about her. So I think maybe mm. some ageism in there as well. I also think it's a style thing like the people that I know that are not Julia fans are not saying they hate her It's just they go, well, I see what she does and it's not my taste, which I think Mm. is a better way of putting it. I Mm. I just love her. I love everything she does.
1: But to get back to the pretension of it all, we had Jimmy up next and Jimmy brought in his collection of vinyl records while he does not own a record player, which I find hilarious because I do technically own a record player, but it doesn't work. But I have hundreds of vinyl records just sitting there that look really nice that I've never played some of which are like in a run of about 500 for record store day and I'll probably never play them just because they look pretty.
0: And I'm so Tom,
1: yeah, Tom correctly pointed out, it's kind of making me hate you.
0: Yes. That's how you get the five points.
1: That <laughs> was such a – um and Jimmy, like even last week, he could have brought in his last week prize task again. His menu from a bougie cafe could have really – um fell That no, was with the same a terrible idea. Stop
0: trying to make that menu happen, Sean. It was terrible and lazy and wrong. <laughs> and I, it was. So G- was Jimmy, precious. Jimmy made Jimmy absolutely made up for it um, this week with his collection of vinyl records. Yeah,
1: and then lastly we had Danielle, who I think was kind of underscored in her prayer candle of herself, to which she said, "When you've got a sticker printer at home, you take advantage of it." What did you think about Danielle's, Sarah?
0: I loved it. I loved it because she, she, it wasn't just her face. She did the expression, she did the elevated eyes. She had obviously worked hard on this piece of art. I don't know if she was underscored because I don't know if it's pretentious. Mm. I would call it mm. self referential, self referential, amusing, up yourself, as we would say here. Mm. Uh, She has tickets on herself is another old Australian expression, uh, which comes from when people couldn't afford uh, dry cleaning. So if you could, you would leave the dry cleaning ticket on to show I have money. (laughs) Uh, But pretentious, I don't know. She gets three points for this and I feel it's kind of right. What about you, Naomi? I think that
2: in some ways it's very funny, the idea of asking people to pray to you as like i I'm going to save you uh energy but also like it's a little too arts and i like what he's saying I like it's a little too arts and crafts um like to me mm. being pretentious is this idea that you might or you believe you know more about something than someone mm. or that you are more qualified experienced or or um knowledgeable about a certain thing and you feel that you are uh I don't want to say an expert, but, you know, it's that that energy of, like, I'm better than you. I'm mm-hmm. more superior in this way. Uh, and I feel like a prayer candle was very funny, but it also didn't convey to me that she thought she was superior. I almost wish she would have included, like, a prayer to say at the prayer candle. Oh. That or that
0: she like... had them um, in the a merch store, because I, I would certainly buy Ooh. one. Like, if she was selling them and you were supposed mm. to want one, that's pretentious. I mean, to mm. me, pretentious is, like, I'll do a blind taste test of bottled water and I'll tell you which is which. It's that kind of idea. I'm so refined. Um, I, I feel sparkling water in general
1: feels a little pretentious.
0: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I had a kombucha this morning. Is that pretentious?
1: Ooh. I feel like it was five or six years ago, but now it's pretty commonplace.
0: Yes. Yeah. I got it and the, even like I got if we made it at shop.
2: home... My so my my boyfriend did a little bit of uh, home brewing kombucha, but it wasn't good. Like it has to be good, or you have to have done it for a long time for it to be mm. pretentious. I mean, I know what I would bring in. Do you? Do you guys know what you would bring in for this prize? No, task?
0: but why don't why don't you say and I'll think about what I'll bring in.
2: I would bring in my ribbons from my high school jazz band winning the Berkeley High School Jazz Music Festival two years in a row. I'd bring that in. I'd be like, I am a twice award-winning jazz musician.
0: Is that pretentious? Yes,
2: it's jazz. Or is that I was good at jazz. Yes.
0: I feel like that's pretentious.
1: I would bring I, in I don't know. I would bring in this bomber jacket that I got from channel nine for being on Ninja Warrior. Which <laughs> it only would like, be
0: pretentious of you to wear it, yes. Yeah,
1: only a few people, only like a few hundred people have them. And it's so pretentious that it just hangs in my wardrobe because I feel like <laughs> People will judge me for wearing it because it makes it seem like I think I'm better than them. Mm. Or I would bring in a cold drip coffee making apparatus, which is one of yeah. those really big science looking things where cold water slowly drops on the coffee beans. Because for 12 hour,
0: hours or something. Yeah, you can't 12 even, hours, you can't single even... <laughs>
1: origin beans that have been imported fit from Brazil that As are fair trade and sustainable. Mm. And after those 24 hours, you get the smallest amount of coffee that you can drink.
0: What does it taste like?
1: It's delicious. Coffee. It's not bitter at all. Sometimes there are notes of fruit and chocolate in it, depending on the beans. Like okay. Yeah, you've you you, sold went, us. you sold
0: us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're
1: sold Five us. points, just in the Five bag. Five points,
0: <laughs> notes of fruit and coffee. Um, I, uh, what would I bring in? I have to say, I have um uh, t- uh, two cousins in the wine trade. One of them's a vintner and one of them's a viticulturalist. And the vintner told me that it wasn't pretentious to swirl your wine around and snip, smell it. That's probably the most pretentious thing that I do. I do it now because she said you there was a reason that you do it, and she told me why. And I must say, I do enjoy doing it, but I think it's a pretentious action.
1: Another pretentious item. Apparently, I just have pretentious props in huh? near You range.
0: do. It's just like you're just this, reaching for them.
1: This beer is a grisette. It's made by Sobremesa Fermentary and Blendery. It's a barrel fermented grisette. This is a tribute to our beautiful greyhound buddy and all rescue dogs who are still yet to find their perfect forever home. So it's a beer that has been fermented in wine barrels for a certain period of time. And it's an old French style of beer.
0: Where do the dogs come in? Are they swimming around in the beer?
1: Potentially. That's where they get the flavor.
0: Mm, that's yes. good.
2: Yeah, they're, they're taking a
0: little bath. I think wearing your race medal the day after is pretentious. Yeah. So the oh my only God. place the only place I ever did it was in New York because they have mm. Medal Monday and everybody's wearing their marathon medal. But other than that, even I wear it home on whatever transportation I take from mm. the from the finish. And then you will never see that medal again. And can I tell you, I'm the
2: person who's on that transportation with you, going like we get it you ran out like <laughs> god because obviously and you know it's always that i'm such like a certified hater so i feel like when i see that i'm just like oh god get us out of here but of course <laughs> i think it is a wonderful accomplishment i'm just like the day after that to me is like oh. yeah
0: the day after here. is pretentious except in a city where it where everybody's doing it but the thing about you know you don't have to wonder if someone's a marathon runner because just wait and they'll tell you So poor old uh, Luke just gets one point for his backpack. What do we think about that? I kind of agree.
1: I almost think he should get zero points because it is not pretentious at all.
0: I think it's pretentious to
2: spend $4,000 on a fake movie prop Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you think about movie props, they're really just made from a like, garbage stuck together and painted a different color. So it's funny to to make a movie prop cost more than it probably cost in the production of the the movie. However, if because it was not the real movie prop, I feel like I have to like,
1: mm.
2: you know, take yeah. points away. Like, if it was you, yes. yeah. If it was if authentic, it was the
1: real ticket yes. and yes. the branding, and like maybe signed by people involved in the movie, that would be pretentious. In yeah, just a replica. Box.
0: You know, an airless yeah. lucite box. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but he—I I believe he said that like it wasn't even the four thousand dollar item. It was like he made a copy of the four thousand dollar item that he owned. So you're not—you're not putting your money. Because he knew he person. wasn't
0: winning the episode.
2: Exactly. You're not. Yeah, it's never a good sign
1: when you start your prize task with "I wanted to bring in this four thousand dollar thing, but I brought in this thing that cost significantly less for this pretension task."
0: I don't think any of the others would have kept it. They wouldn't have wanted it. Maybe Jimmy. Jimmy might have wanted it.
1: Well, Jimmy's got kids, so.
0: Ah, okay. Jimmy is a kid, as we find out later in the episode. Naomi, why don't you take us to task two, the first on-site task. So, task
2: two, protect the popcorn with an impenetrable fort. In ten minutes, Tom will try to eat the popcorn. You may not move the popcorn. You may not personally attack Tom the longest uneaten popcorn wins. I love the
0: use of the word fort. Oh, that just Mm. took me back to my childhood, making forts with the sofa cushions.
1: I was doing that this morning with my daughter. Like It's one of my great joys in life. And to be able to create one to protect something and keep someone away from it just would be so much fun to do.
2: Absolutely. Especially Tom, where, again, we we talked about earlier, this is That little moment of, like, Tom's being a little pain in your ass. Tom's (laughs) going to come in and he's going to try and eat this popcorn and you need to stop him. It reminds me of the task that was, like, Alex was trying to kick a goal and it was, like, stop Alex before you know prevent him from scoring on you.
1: I love in that one where Victoria just puts the (laughs) um, wine barrel and a few things in front of the ball but not far enough away from it and Alex just stands behind the ball, flicks it up, and it goes perfectly into the goal.
2: It's a it's a brilliant task. It really is, especially because I mean I love Victoria. Um and I think that she's so funny when you know sports are involved, hmm. right? Like she and thinks, oh I got yeah, whatever, who cares? And then she gets scored on and she's immediately furious.
1: Right about she's never more than a few seconds away from a flapjack.
2: <laughs> <Mm-mm>, amen. <laughs> no. Um I I have one oh I guess he says he does it with this, but well, I have one gripe, but we'll get into the way that people all do this. So,
1: and my, my one gripe. Well, about getting I reckon I've the got task. the same gripe. We'll Is it about touching the popcorn?
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. So Danielle says he can't eat it if it's in the toilet and then moves the popcorn because she was flustered immediately realizes what she's done. And then tries to hold Tom away with a fishing net. Um, so that's true. So- she,
0: she had disobeyed two things you may not move the popcorn she did that and you may not personally attack tom
1: did she attack tom low because as she really aptly pointed out she she was relocating him for his own safety like the wild animal Mm -hmm. that tom cashman is
0: (laughs) i think she engaged with him physically which could be at a stretch interpreted as attacking
1: really getting into Naomi's um orange example of earlier of if you're hitting him with the net, are you really attacking him, or is the net attacking him?
0: <laughs> you are holding the net. I mean, it said like physically
2: attack. So then, it, then it also becomes like, you know, it what just if you just personally attack? Personally attack. Oh, so you can't mm-hmm. degrade him either. You can't say no. Him off oh, yes, that's like... true. Uh, but if, you know, if you stand in between, right? If you just like sort of use your body to like keep him. You know, if you play defense, right? Is that attacking him, or are you playing defense? Because mm. I think in some ways Daniella is like playing defense. But my big gripe is, mm. she, I don't think she touched the popcorn. She touched the popcorn bucket. Mm. You know, like she moved it just a little bit, and Al- then she kept it there.
1: Although it did say you cannot move the popcorn, so moving the bucket is then an extension of moving the popcorn.
0: The popcorn did the popcorn relocate in space? Yes, it mm. did. Therefore, you moved mm. it. Mm. But then that becomes
2: like um, when it's like you may not touch the green, and then people will like Mm. stand on things, but they're still like on top of it, you know. Like then it that like uh, you you know you may not touch the grass, and so you stand on something. I I find it in that way where like people get really loosey goosey with like touch, but they get really like very like strict with like you cannot move this thing. Mm. I find that like touching the bucket might give it a. You know, I want I want a little wiggle room. Danielle totally just like screws it by I... <laughs> putting a net over Tom's head, <laughs> but she did have the right What's idea. Was very for a
0: funny. I love that.
1: Hmm. And so it took her two minutes and thirty eight seconds to get disqualified. Uh, but it was great. Well, two minutes
0: thirty eight seconds and three months, presumably, because she doesn't get disqualified till Big Tom Main Tom does it in the studio. I wonder if she very thought true. she was going to get past.
1: Then. Next up, we had Jimmy, who just stacks up heaps of shit from all around the room. He's pulling bookcases to either end of the table, getting everything that he can find. But I don't think Jimmy thought about what he had and the placement of those things before he just started doing stuff. And so then when Tom comes into the room, he just reaches into the fort, grabs a piece of popcorn and eats it within 13 seconds. Mm. So Naomi, what did you think of Jimmy's effort?
2: This is... This is Taskmaster Brain. You're so, you're having so much fun because you're a little kid. You can just throw a big pile of shit on top of this popcorn. You can move the bookcases, and it's somebody else's problem to pick it up. When he throws the crayons all over, I was laughing so hard. But you're so distracted with the beauty. It reminds me of when Bob Mortimer, the task was make a mess and then clean it up. And then he just (laughs) loved making a mess so much that like he'd be like, Alex, how long do I have left? And Alex would be like, 30 seconds. And he'd be like, oh no, I better throw another ounce of sugar cubes all over the place. Like That's what it kind of felt like is you're so distracted by the enjoyment of making a mess that you do not look to see the tiny little crevice
0: through all of your... Chaos. It was a a canyon, really. Do you think?
1: So, like, how he was throwing the crayons over the ground and stuff like that. If you set traps for Tom, is that attacking him?
0: Great question. Is that how you would have done it, Sean? Made a trap? Well,
1: I I agreed with Jimmy's thoughts in the studio that he should have just moved the bookcases to the doorway rather than the table. But, once again, you didn't know what doorway Tom was going to come from. You may have been able to infer that based on where the sound was coming from,
0: Mm -hmm. but...
1: I honestly think I would have wanted to make traps like Home Alone. I I
0: would have liked to uh, electrify something and put it over the top of the popcorn. (sighs) Just a small, (laughs) just a small, just a small charge, like you know, a little battery charger, thirteen volts or something. Like nothing, nothing major. Just that would make it extremely unpleasant. It's like a baking tray. Put pop that on top. Um, get your little little bulldog clips. What about if you set the popcorn on fire? Is that moving the popcorn?
1: Well, you haven't moved the popcorn. The popcorn's moving itself once the fire is enacted.
2: The, yeah, the popcorn is moving itself into a gaseous state. Setting on fire is not a bad... Also, because burnt popcorn tastes terrible, right? Like,
0: But Tom could have just dug down to the unburnt bits. I don't know. Because it was a yeah, very... you got to cover
2: shit. it. Here's what you, you gotta start a, an oil fire. A oh, fire! You gotta cover you could, it with oil and light it up. <laughs> you know what?
1: There's gotta be a fire extinguisher on site. You could cover it in the foam of a fire extinguisher, and then like you couldn't eat it because it'd be poisonous.
0: Well, which is essentially what Luke and Julia mm. did. Nina, I just love Nina. She got so into how exciting it would be to hide the popcorn, so she hides the popcorn. <laughs> like quite apart from the fact of one kernel remaining on the table that's been on the floor, which Tom eats within 14 seconds. She is disqualified, main Tom saying, what the fuck am I going to do with you, Nina?
2: (laughs) Tom is such a good taskmaster. Like he really is. And he's been good since episode one. And it's a really hard role to pull off. I think he's so funny in balancing because what I think Greg Davies also does is like, I think they talk a little bit too much about Jeremy Wells's career on Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but like Tom does it so well in this sort of like, yeah, I'm more famous than you and I'm more important and I've done better comedy shows. Like I, you sent me an article there about like uh, why Tom says he's better than Greg Davies. And I was like, perfect. This man understands his role completely. Like he knows exactly what he's doing.
1: Yeah, he really does. And so it was really interesting reading that article as well, how I think he made mention to... Doing shows at like en- the Edinburgh Fringe, and Greg Davies just absolutely bombing, while Tom Gleason absolutely killed it. And saying that's uh, according why he's to Tom, than Greg Davies.
0: We we have to say according to Tom, but it was a very funny uh, article where he called yeah, he called Greg so out, and I've been looking forward to some sort of some sort of answer from from Greg.
1: I would love a fake feud to break out between Greg and Tom. That would be mm-hmm. really fun. Next up, we had Luke, and so Luke pours oil and toilet water into the bucket, and then sits on it. And when Tom Cashman comes in, he gets up and asks if he's bummed fluette. I have some questions on this one, because by sitting on the popcorn, did Luke not move it?
2: I think you're and right. so, therefore,
1: should I think he also right. be disqualified? As much as I want Luke to get points, I always want Luke to get points. I love Luke. I think he moved the popcorn, and it was overlooked.
0: Yes. No. <laughs>
1: I, mean, I want him to you. get
0: I want him to keep his I want him to keep his five points that he got. The thing is he didn't have to sit on it for it to be effective. Mm-hmm. He started off actually building a fort. He got the two suitcases mm-hmm. and put them either side, and then stopped and thought that's just not going to work, and changed his thinking. So I thought, oh, there's good task mastering, there's good task taking to start off with an idea and then immediately realize, which Jimmy did not. It's not going to work to build a physical barrier. The sitting on it, I don't think he needed it. It was a bit pretentious.
1: I I do enjoy, though, that we have just got this running joke through the season now of Luke and toilet activities.
0: (laughs) He says it was just from the sink, water from the sink. He said it was toilet water, but it was, in fact, water from the sink. But Lesser Tom did say... That he could he could get the whiff the aroma he could swirl the aroma of uh, urine in the air. So I'm who just gonna after
1: last week <laughs> and the and the sink the bowling ball task.
0: Yes, I know
2: Luke is so funny. I, I find that what Luke is so good at is this moment where like Tom has totally been like, "What's your pro- like? What's wrong with you?" And he'll just like say one last little thing that is just. He, he's re- I find him so funny. I think he's a perfect Taskmaster contestant. I really think, you know, like I have my sort of ranking of favorite to least favorite, but I think that Luke is such a perfect Taskmaster contestant in the way that he is so easily degraded by the Taskmaster. And yet sometimes he does very well, he does a very good job in tasks. And I think this is one of them. Although, yeah, oh, I'll forgive him for moving the popcorn. He did move it with his butt downwards, but that's
0: okay. He compressed it. <laughs>
1: And lastly, we had Julia. Julia poured all kinds of things into the popcorn. So there were eggs, orange juice. She spat in the popcorn. She touched her butt and then put some of the fecal count into the popcorn and told Tom all about it. And just the camera shot from vertically into the popcorn bucket was so disgusting that... I thought
0: thought for a moment there might have been a kernel that he could have taken, and then it's like, no, absolutely not. She does offer him a kernel. Was
1: coming from Julia's bum.
0: That's true. She she offered him a biscuit. She was going to get him a biscuit. He said thank you, and she said with my poo poo hands. He said no. He was his response to both Luke and but Julia in particular was perfection. The Mm. the their relationship is is fantastic. I love it.
1: And so Julia and Luke both got five points uh, in this task. Jimmy got two points, which is kind of incredible considering. (laughs)
0: He thought for a moment he was getting four because Danielle and Nina got disqualified. So he theoretically came third. Well, he said he came second, but actually third because if you have two first places, it would be third. But no, two points was was all he deserved. And now we come to my favourite, spoiler, my favourite task, which was pick up. 26 flowers and deliver them to Tom's vase you may only advance to collect the next flower when you correctly guess that flowers' password importantly you must deliver all 26 flowers to Tom's vase or you will be disqualified and fewest total attempts to guess a password wins and we find out this is also lesser Tom's favorite yeah. task the first thing that Nina says is how much time do I have. <laughs> I love Lena so, so much.
1: Interesting fact, Tom Cashman actually paid for Twitter Blue solely so he could post a video of this whole task on Twitter. So he loves this task so much, he was willing to spend his own money to post $8. it online.
0: Well, $8 American, which is about eleven thirty-seven, something like that. Don't you think you could also write that off on tax? Yes, and being sensible mm-hmm. with money, as we know, is not pretentious. Mm. So, Naomi, do you think the number 26 would have triggered your brain to an alphabet.
2: No, didn't even register me, yeah. did not register to me at all when they were reading out the task. I just went like, ah, oh, 26, that's a lot of passwords. I wonder what they're going to be. <laughs> and I think my brain went the same route as uh, Nina, because I believe Nina essentially starts guessing like a lot of romantic words, things that have to do with roses, and I would have done the same thing. I would have started guessing, like, words about love and then going from there.
0: Yes, I love that they gave us Nina and Julia first before we, the audience, knew what the mm. what the code was because I can 100% say I wish I could say that, that I would have thought, oh, 26, it's going to be the alphabet, but I know I didn't because I didn't in the first showing of the first two taskers Sean, did you get it before we were told?
1: I definitely did not. That when they first started guessing, people guessing passwords first I went, yep, that's what I'd guess first. And I love the way that it was edited too, how we got the quick cuts between them guessing at each point. It was visually really cool. And it was incredible how well a lot of them did before they started getting incorrect answers, which then makes it even harder to work out what the actual trick to it is.
0: Because you don't know what you
1: did. No, because you would not be thinking about your previous guesses by the time you start getting it wrong. They were just lucky. and They were guessing words that started with different letters. And then to go back and work out what letters you hadn't used is a tricky task.
0: Yep. So, So Danielle feels that she is on to something with live creatures. And even when Tom Cashman reads her all her correct guesses and he does it in alphabetical order, She was only missing three letters at that time. She still said, but I've said other things that were alive as well. She said that was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. Danielle, despite giving 503 guesses, was the most value in this task, and and it wasn't even close.
1: And Tom added so much in it too that I love the way he was saying There are two of 26 remaining over and over again. And each time he sounded a little bit more pained in the way that he was saying it. And even by the end, you could see the sun was starting to come down a little bit because you had that nice evening glow. Oh, just,
0: and Danielle just,
1: she just remains so positive, even in that frustrating experience and to have her crying in studio reacting to it.
0: Oh, We're crying, crying, laughing. I, I love uh, Julia. Just was wildly throwing out words, including according to Tom Cashman back in the studio, guessing the c word four different times.
2: Relatable. I I love um, I love Julia because uh, I like her attitude of like I just want to get out of here. You know, like hmm. I want to get this done. Bish bash bosh. I'm out which i think is so funny but it also leads to these moments where like julia truly does not give an absolute f and <laughs> makes like such chaotic guesses it doesn't even think about it no, no like no thoughts going on upstairs you know just just straight to the
0: the finish line until she finally figures it out even when she said jesus and tom cashman said i will accept that password she says oh You've accepted Jesus, have you, Tom? I mean, it's just charming and funny, fast and witty, uh, effortless it seems for her. Yes. Uh, Jimmy had a lot of trouble, Sean. Would that have been you rolling around on the ground, kicking your feet?
1: Hopefully not in this case. I'd probably just get really frustrated and start shouting words louder and louder. But Jimmy (laughs) really. So so volume would
0: have been your your reason.
1: Maybe he just needs the password to be louder. Maybe if I yell at him more and more. But yeah, Jimmy just kind of just grinded through it until he got to the end when he finally worked it out. Like it was probably the least interesting of the five iterations that we got um, because I personally loved how much we got to know Luke in his guesses. Like Luke's guesses seemed to be authentically his personality. And then even the way he tried to break the task later on by asking Tom to think of a word that would be an acceptable password and then asking, is that the word? And Tom said yes, because it is technically one of the correct passwords. And then him saying, "Um, did my mum set the password? That sounds like something she would do. You have to tell me. Something along those lines was, I love Luke so much.
0: Yes. He should have got, in fact, he should have got the four points. He, hmm. He guessed the second fewest number. But in his gesturing as he tried to... As he tried to conjure passwords, he sadly dropped two of the roses and only put twenty-four into Tom's vase. Just gratification.
2: Tragic. tragic. I thought it was going to happen like to Danielle. I thought it was going to be even worse. like it was tragic for Luke, but Luke didn't have a mental breakdown for an hour and a half about this task. You know, I was really scared for them. Well, I also May-
0: May and Tom did say that she dropped a rose. And she nearly, I mean, she nearly lost it. And he waited just a bit too yep. long before he told her he was joking. I mean, it was fantastic. I
2: i really found that, like, the moments I think are so great is when you can, like, it's almost like watching somebody on Survivor almost find a hidden immunity idol. When Julia says, like, oh, it'll be boring if I go through the whole alphabet. And then Tom reveals later that she went, she guessed, like, 183 more guesses before she came back to the alphabet so if she had just done it she would have done it faster i love moments like that the taskmaster breaks your brain i cannot emphasize enough how like i I thought here's my first thought when they when they read the task i was like i bet you that the password will be written on every one of those cards that was what i was thinking that you'd have to look under the little number or that they would be written around, you should find them. Like, mm. in my head, it was a treasure hunt for the passwords. Mm. It was not – it had nothing to do with the <laughs>
0: – Well, the, the brilliance of this task is that the very first thing you guess will be correct.
2: Unearned confidence.
0: Yes. And well, exactly. and for, for all of them, it seemed like quite a quite a large number of the first things that they, they guessed were correct. But the, that, that first one working would break your brain. How did I – out of all the words I ever could have said, how did and I get it creates it first? That
1: blind confidence, because just saying, like between what seemed to be five and upwards of close to twenty correct guesses in a row, it just creates that blind confidence. And sweet, I'm nailing this. I don't know how I'm nailing it, but clearly I'm doing well. And you I wouldn't just have to anything say some,
0: anything with confidence. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would
0: start think I would start counting the letters of the words. I would, I would, Whoa. yes, yeah. I, I wish I could say that 26 would have keyed me into the task, but it would not have. And anyway, how boring would it have been if you've got someone there going alpha, beta, Charlie, delta, epsilon. Uh, take us to the team task there, Sean, the giraffe. Get the giraffe in the bath.
1: Yeah, so uh, for anyone with kids, this is clearly a reference to a kid's book called The Giraffe in the Bath. But Get the Giraffe in the Bath If you touch grass or the giraffe touches grass or you touch the giraffe, you must start again fastest wins. So we had our teams broken down into our team of Julia and Danielle. And what we are referring to as the bad improv group, which are living up to the name once again. Uh, So with Julia and Danielle, they went first. And Danielle was so busy trying to get the task right, according to Tom, that you forget to be entertaining. And Julia is so focused on being entertaining that she often forgets to do the, do the task, which makes Perfect them a team. great pairing together.
0: Perfect even
1: team. then, they did this so quickly and so effectively that it made you wonder how anyone else could do this task any other way. Because it seemed <laughs> like such the clear, obvious way to do it.
0: Eight minutes, one second. Bosh! Naomi. bash, bosh. Bosh, And then they did the dance,
1: which we'd love to see, which once again scores them no points.
2: I just want to ask like a... Uh... US versus Australia question and this is exclusively based on notes do you in australia write all times with the uh, with the apostrophe and then the the double apostrophe versus the the like colon
0: i think that i mean i write it eight one apostrophe and then one with the double i think that's very old fashioned there are there are i am a modern woman I'm a woman of the world. I move with the times. I'm up with uh-huh. the kids. I'm down with the slang. But there are a couple of old-fashioned things I do, and I think that's one of them. Sean, do you recognise that way of writing times?
1: I do recognise it. I would often say, like, 8M1S as a short-form way of doing oh. it.
0: okay. Um, yeah. Or the colon. And, and Naomi, you would do 8 colon one.
2: Yeah. I mean, I also work in an industry where like time code is super important. So I think that I would just never go outside of time code. But I think that's mm-hmm. really funny because to me, that that's like height. That's how you depict feet. And oh, inches. eight feet, one inch.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes. So yeah. But also I'm not task. good at that.
2: Yeah. I'm also not good at that part of like remembering how to use right. that. I have to think about it a lot, but that's, that's, T- what, it time codes me.
0: Yeah. I, I do with time codes when I'm, when I'm editing and I write them as the time codes. Yes. As you would, exactly the same way. I think it's um, very
2: funny. Yeah. I just love small details like that, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, so, I like
0: also that the Bad Improv Group, which is what uh, main Tom has decided to call them, he also in this case called them three friends with an unbreakable bond.
1: It was fascinating to watch how badly they performed in such a simple idea that they kept just making silly little mistakes like... Stepping out of their robe onto the grass or just having the giraffe slightly touch the grass.
0: How did they take nearly 23 minutes? How? I think
1: (laughs) some things just take them longer because they're not very good at working together.
0: Yes. Well, they left Nina standing twice. That was really funny. And she said, yes, I shall wait and and, uh, welcome my boys home from the giraffe wars. She's very funny.
1: And I think Jimmy was right that they would have got it done a lot quicker if he had just done it himself. Then working together this. actually is making them perform worse.
2: Yeah. I that's like it. this, this reminds me a lot of, I think two of the most chaotic taskmaster teams are um, Noel, Joe Lysa and Lolly and, and Ian, Lou and Paul. <laughs> and I think that this team reminds me of that they have an unbreakable bond because they've never had a funny improv show and they just die on stage every week that's my theory about why their bond is so unbreakable um but yeah i i think that they're so funny but they all want to help and they all want to participate and so because there's no lazy factor in it you know there's no like joe brand just wandering around being like i'll get to it when i get to it everybody is way too involved which makes them so funny like especially because nina yeah everybody wants to help and then nina will step on the grass accidentally like it's such perfect you know like self-sabotage
0: and they don't know each other well enough to be rude to each other as well i think the polite overlay the eager polite (laughs) overlay is also not helping them because no one's saying that's a really stupid idea stop doing that We'd, I did slide over the fact that Danielle did say in studio that she sometimes with the team tasks wondered if Julia was deliberately trying to sabotage.
1: <laughs> I loved as well that Julia said that Danielle just seemed to have her stuff together and so therefore she would just listen to her and Danielle pointing out clearly she hadn't seen any of the other tasks yet.
2: <laughs> the fact that Danielle is the one in charge of all this is hilarious considering Danielle mm-hmm. is a... a like a, a an avalanche of emotion throughout the rest of the show.
0: Yes, yes, and thirty years younger, but and also her respect for Julia is so high. But I think I think she when she gets in these tasks with Julia, I think too, she's just like laser focused on uh, on trying to perform the task. So let's go to our in studio uh, Naomi. They're also a team task. We thought last week when we were trying to glean what might happen. Sean and I were very excited to see the navy blue boiler suits um, because boiler suits usually equal chaos. And uh, while it wasn't exactly the chaos that I thought it might have been, it was indeed chaos. Take us through the team task.
2: So a live task, we're up on stage. As a team, use your shadows to spell taskmaster. You must spell one letter at a time. A letter will be captured every 10 seconds. Every team member must contribute to every letter. The best team taskmaster wins. The picture of your first letter will be taken exactly 10 seconds after Tom blows his whistle. Uh, I think the biggest hang-up for yeah. me on this would be spelling. I feel like I, you kept hearing Danielle say, like, S, S. At, like, she was sort of keeping track. I would be like, where are we at? I forget. Like, you know, you'd forget halfway through, and then I'd I put a, a, a D in the middle of it.
0: I, I think, too, that you're – in all the other tasks, you can read the task – here, Nina reads the task out to them. So you have to take in quite a lot of information just hearing it once. Do they stop down, Sean? Do you know if they stop down to make sure that people understand these tasks when they're read out like this? Naomi, you're nodding.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. So, Naomi, do you have any more costs there? Yeah,
0: I, I think Ed Gamble's
2: talked about it a couple of times on the on the podcast. Is uh, he? They do like review it. You know, I, and I'm so used to this because of when we do fake Survivors, you, you think that when Jeff Probst goes, all right, everybody ready, and then it just swirls to the challenge. But in reality, everybody has about a million really stupid, annoying questions that you have to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't, I, there's no difference here on Taskmaster. They probably yes, I knew they
0: problems. did it in Survivor. But I think that even though it's quite straightforward, hearing all that information, I would have to review it. Yes. So according to Tom, they're both terrible. Did you agree with that, Sean?
1: I thought, considering the time they had and the groupings that they're in, because it would have been really hard to see what their shapes were like because they didn't really, they couldn't really see the angle they were being shot at to know perfectly how they needed to be. And to make a perfect decision in 10 seconds is so impossible when there's three or two personalities to deal with.
0: Well, again, you could probably um, more easily do it on your own because hmm. you're doing it when you're directing other people. And I think they could glance towards the screen and see the reverse of what they were doing. Hmm. Jimmy had a lot of trouble, as I believe I would, with which way does the esque go? Mm. Oh, yeah.
1: I did enjoy how many of them looked oddly inappropriate, which yes. is great in the 7.30 time slot.
0: 7.30? <laughs> yeah.
2: It out at 7.30. Oh, boy, that is... I especially get do they do they cur, do they beep out swear words
0: yeah they beeped out tom's f yes yeah they, and they, they, they beep but not. we well, didn't even are... have yeah. c's beeped there was just a, re- a reference to them well yeah
2: we didn't i yeah i noticed that I, well so here's mm. here's another they fun like uh bridging the gap between australia and the united states so britain has all these like weird sort of like I don't want to say weird television rules, but they're much freer. I would say with like cursing and nudity, is that also the case in Australia, or is it much more like buttoned up like the US is? So, for example, well, like think... on you would never hear someone say shit. I feel like after like 10 p.m., even on CBS, you never hear a curse word. Any of the major networks.
1: So, our limit's usually about 8:30 p.m. before swearing gets a little bit more freely allowed in like an MA or R-rated um, program. But I think. After 7.30, they're allowed a certain amount of swearing. There's like a threshold they can do, and <laughs> the context that it's used in, it's bizarre, but they can get away with a certain amount where it's deemed okay.
0: Yes. But Australia I think- has a lot of
1: casual swearing, mm. which is oh, I,
2: was, I was waiting life. to hear what Sarah had to say.
1: Yeah.
0: I was going to say fuck yes, but then I, th- and I was trying to remember if we're rated clean or not here.
2: Oh, I just mark it as explicit every time when I upload it. <laughs> but... <laughs> I can mark a claim if you'd like. Um, but no podcast with me on it is going to be a non-explicit episode. Um, that, yeah, the U.S. is so puritanical. That's also why I think a little bit of why Taskmaster doesn't work so well in the United States. is Because uh, Taskmaster, like, and I know they do the family-friendly versions of it, which I think are wonderful. But, like, all that frustration, all that, pent- you know, a, a well-timed, like, shit F mm. is, like, so perfect in Taskmaster. That's why I think it just works so well. I love yes, saying. I
0: think Australians in general are much more lax about swearing. You'd hear, uh, uh, you'd hear a politician say bloody, you know, it's bloody good. That would never, mm. no one would raise an eyebrow to that. Whereas I know, well, certainly in England, it's quite, it's a stronger word. And I don't know about the US, but the Fs and the Cs are still a little bit uh, verboten, I suppose one could say.
1: We really have tier lists of swear words and how they're to be used. But yeah. to get back to the task, Julia yes. and Danielle scored two points for their shadows, which were arguably better, but also th- with the two of them, it probably was a little bit easier in I all of the tasks easier. that I had so far.
0: But Tom did note that, that that it wasn't really that they were better at spelling Taskmaster, it's that, that the result was more entertaining. And that's hmm. what I like. I like it when the Taskmaster is making a value judgment. Hmm.
1: And the Bad Improv Group got one point uh, for their efforts and really got called out on a couple of the stranger letters that they created. I believe the S in particular had some strange... Very explicit, yes. Yes. Very explicit. (laughs) (laughs) Which led us to the final episode total. So Julia won this episode on 17 points, which is back-to-back episodes for Julia, which at the start of this season I would not have predicted. How do you feel about Julia winning this episode after winning last week as well, Naomi?
2: Um, I was surprised at how strong she is doing. I was really shocked. i um, not from like a – I just feel like Julia is very like hit or miss in the tasks. Either she will do super well or she will do like really poorly. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprised that when when it was sort of announced that she was in the lead, I was like shocked that, uh, that she was in the lead. I was also a little shocked that Jimmy was like right behind her. Like it's very funny. I'm so – I'm so not a numbers person um, that I always get surprised when I hear the outcomes of the episode of Taskmaster, even though I've been listening to the points the whole time and I yeah, should know how math works.
1: People well, um, were talking but... about it a couple of weeks ago where Jimmy and Julia seem to be like when they perform poorly or it's not entertaining, they're really getting around three points. So they're getting like three, four, or five most of the time. Whereas uh, Luke, Danielle, and Nina, seem to be getting either five points or one or zero points. Or zero. I mean, the
0: disqualifications are myriad for for all three of them. Yes, I mean, last week and this week it's about Julia won and by such a handy amount. And because I'm adding the season uh, titles as we go, she was very, very middling and Danielle was way ahead. And suddenly the season title has completely changed. Julia's ahead on 81, followed by Jimmy on 78 and Danielle on 77. And Nina and Luke in at 60 and 62, they are so off the pace now. I just don't know how they would unless they have a string of fives, they're not winning. But hey, we don't care about the points. So speaking of winning, Naomi, we said at the beginning we were going to offer that you change your winner pick, which was originally Nina. Do you want to do that or do you want to stick?
2: I will commit. You know, I so when I do like any draft or pick or whatever, I stand by the team I pick. They never actually really do well, but I actually, so I just did, Um, funny enough, I did a draft for a different show and I traded my first round draft pick. We did like a midway through redo draft and I traded my first round draft pick for somebody else who got sent home. So I'm sticking with what I got. Is it going to maybe get me the win that I want? No, but I support Nina.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I'm a great believer in sticking by your... Win a pick, win or lose. And I think for all three of us, it's going to be lose. Look, only one person can win. So who was your most valuable player for the episode, Naomi?
2: I think it was Danielle. uh, To show up on the show after having such an emotional breakdown, good for her because there's other people I feel like who would have had that emotional breakdown and been like, I'm not coming on this show
0: anymore. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what about you?
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. The entertainment that Danielle brought this episode through that password task was incredible. And even just other little things, like with the net and saying that she was just relocating Tom for his own safety, her way of rephrasing things to create the story is brilliant. How about you? Who was your MVP for the episode, Sarah?
0: Well, speaking of sticking to your original uh, choice, I'm going to agree with you and say, Danielle, let's go to best task sean what was your best task
1: flower password for sure like there is no question
0: for me as well yeah it's far and away one of the best tasks i've ever seen plus it produced danielle's spectacular meltdown and and then in studio reaction Uh, i thought it was fantastic naomi what was your best task
2: (sighs) okay so i i mean i have to agree in a lot of ways about the password task but i i will say the 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 disgusting nature of the popcorn task is that pure, feral taskmaster that I love of, like, what if I poisoned Tom? What if I made sure that if he ate this, he would die? Like, like uh, you know when they made the cocktails in season one of New Zealand? <clears throat> that kind of vibe. Like, I want yes. to kill the taskmaster's assistant. I love that. But yeah, yes. the, the 26 flower password is, is
0: iconic. It was I mean it was such a strong um episode because that popcorn task was you know as good as the flower password. It's just the resultant hysteria for the flower password just puts it over. And your worst task, Naomi, what would you, would you pick? Oh, actually don't have to I pick.
2: no, I I'll say this. I thought the price task was was just okay. I thought they've actually had very strong prize tasks for the first couple ones and I felt like this one was just a little hit or miss. Uh but you know, it, that's the way the prize task goes, right?
0: It, it is. I mean, often it's the prize task or the in-studio live tasks that are the worst. I think the live tasks of the last 3 episodes the in-studio live tasks have been absolutely fantastic. Like what an elevation from other iterations and indeed from the um, first half of the season. I'm going to say the prize task too. For me, it, it just didn't. I mean, we had some good stuff come out of it, but it just really, I was waiting for it to finish so I so we could get on with the rest of the show. What about you, little Alex, Sean? What was your so worst I, task?
1: I thought the giraffe in the bath was potentially the worst task oh. because I really liked the idea of it, but it was too easy to get right. Even though we did have the team mess up repeatedly, it was more on their own incompetence at times rather than the task itself being complicated or difficult. And so I think a few extra elements in that task could have really elevated it that would have been chaotic for both teams. Um, Because as we saw, Danielle and Julia really just cruised through it with the obvious answer. And it led it to be a little bit flat for me. I, I yep. think
0: if there wasn't such a disparity in the times—eight minutes for one team and nearly 23 for the other team—this might have been a task that they filmed and didn't show. As we know, there are tasks that that happens with it. Yeah, it was a little simplistic. I just enjoyed the 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 bad improv group. They they make me laugh, and the misogyny of leaving Nina stranded on an island and and her turning that into comedy just just elevated it for me above the uh, prize task. My quote of the week comes from Tom Gleeson saying that something shouldn't be tricky for this highbrow group of coastal elites. (laughs) I know that's a phrase that people use, but it just, I don't know, it just really tickled me and particularly referring to these uh, five people. Uh, Sean, did you have a quote of the week?
1: Yeah, I really just love Julia saying nothing is beneath me, Tom, uh, (laughs) because it's just so on point with her style and everything she does on the show that she's willing to do anything to get the laugh
2: For me, it's uh, I, you know, Jesus. I will accept that password. Oh, have you accepted
0: Jesus? (laughs) The timing of that, like a perfect timing. Their relationship is Julia and Lisa Tom are just they. I just love it. Anytime they're on on my screen together. Yeah,
2: they were super funny in the in the Vegemite task in the in the last episode. They they were just Mm -hmm. so like she's bouncing off him, and that that's also what I think about. Okay, not to at the end of this episode shit on Paul Williams a little bit, but I think that Paul Williams' personality, because he's such a dour, character because he's so sad um oftentimes it kind of like shuts down the ability for banter between the two of them where Alex Horn's always a little bit snappy and he's always sort of like trying to jab at you very secretly and i think that Tom has that quality where he's he is trying to jab at you a little bit and or like you know he'll be like oh okay i'll do this dumb idea you want to do and i i really appreciate that about his character and i thought that it came out so perfectly in the 26 roses task
0: Yes, the uh, genetic meat spread uh, task. There was a moment where Julia, she's gone, taken her clothes off, she's wrapped a towel around herself and there's a moment where the towel slips slightly and she quickly grabs it and then she looks at Tom. She has an expression on her face of like, ooh, and he looks back at her with a, ooh, and that nothing is said and it was just like perfect. I thought, oh, I love these two and their uh, and their relationship. Look, as has has been happening with the next time ons, Sean, we don't get a lot of information. It looks like Nina did a good job.
1: She yeah. seems real chuffed about it too, which is she going to be is heartwarming. Chuffed
0: to bits, yes. It's been a long time coming. Apparently, so we hear. Luke threatened to bash Tom Cashman, which seems very, very out of character. So I want to see how this uh, how this arises.
1: Yeah, I definitely can't wait to see what leads Luke to threaten to bash Tom Cashman because it must be something has either gone wrong or something's gone really right.
0: Really right. Or oh, Luke has lost his mind, which I just can't wait to see. That will be in Episode 6 where we'll be so pleased to welcome someone who is their own password, Brooklyn Z. Hell yeah. Naomi, what do you have going on and where can the people find you?
2: I mean, I have a lot going on. Uh, which is great. I like have a lot of things to do and a lot of friends who asked me to go hang out places. So uh, don't fact check that. Um, (laughs) No, so I just did a wonderful episode of The High Ground with Katie and Isaiah talking about The Mandalorian, season three premiere. That came out uh, just a couple days ago, but we love talking about The Mandalorian and about Star Wars. I cannot recommend enough our discussions on Andor, and I cannot recommend enough the show and or um, also I just want to put this out in the universe because this my, here's my little taskmaster mini news of the week is a uh, guy Montgomery's guy Mont spelling bee TV mm. show exists, which I did not know about and I freaked out and I got so excited and then I just retweeted it and said, Oh my God, you know, I, like this is big, but of course it just matters only to like me and a couple other people. And then guy Montgomery retweeted that and liked it. And then Josh Thompson uh, from Taskmaster New Zealand 3 liked my tweet. And I was like, what's going on here? How do I get more involved in this community? How do I get them to all become my friends? But I I just want to tell everyone to watch Guy Montgomery Spelling because I love Guy Montgomery. I think he's absolutely hilarious. And uh, I will be watching.
1: If you need selling on this show, if you go to Guy Montgomery's Twitter, he's posted a clip from an episode where um someone asked to spell a word i think it's from the um goblet for cowards or something it's for the simpler words and they ask for the origin of the word or for the word to be used in the sentence and the story that guy montgomery tells to use that word in a sentence is incredible It's just pure comedy so i highly recommend if you are not in new zealand i recommend finding a way to fly to new zealand to check that out
0: absolutely i heard that um, so, Sean, what about you? What have you got going on and where can the people find you?
1: So other than doing this podcast every week with you lovely people, you can follow us at a dash of gingers on Twitter to keep up with our Taskmaster AU coverage. And you can follow me at Sheen Bree on Twitter, where I've just been posting a whole lot of dumb jokes about Australian Survivor and now Survivor 44 now that it's back. And it's just our lives are about 17,000 hours of Survivor a week. And we get this one hour of Taskmaster where we get a bit of a reprieve and get joy into our lives. Not that Survivor hasn't been bringing us joy too. Otherwise, just working full time like a sucker. How about you, Sarah? What's going on with you?
0: Well, people can follow me if they'd like to at Sarah Carradine on Twitter. I host a weekly true crime review podcast, Crime Scene, that's S-E-E-N, on our HAP reality TV wrap-ups with the great Murray Forth. I'm writing about Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, and you can find my articles over at Inside Survivor. And on post-show recaps, I'm a pogue for life with Mary Kritkowski talking all things Outer Banks Season 3. Our whole series of episode recaps has dropped. You can catch up on our recaps of Season 1 and 2 there as well. So thanks to Naomi for joining us. That's it until episode six. Please send us your comments and questions on Twitter at a dash of gingers. And remember,
1: all the information you need is in the task.